is the number one community in the world that you can't get back once it's gone. Time. So I will keep this brief. I'm Muthita Banu, a time efficiency expert and a business operation strategist, who is as known as the Time Queen. Welcome to my Get Unstuck Radio. Running a business can be very overwhelming at times, especially in the first few years when you are required to wear hats and do other things. You started your company because you had a vision that almost every business owner has when they begin. You wanted freedom, true freedom. So you are in the right place to help you build and grow your business that support your lifestyle, not the other way around. Without further ado, let's get unstuck. Hi, get a stuck nation. So today, again, another excited interview. So here I have a guest here. His name is um, Daryl Urbanski. Um, he's known for his ability to create six-figure business, automated business, automated income from scratch. And today, we will pick his brain to learn more about um, eight types of better business habits that strategically proven to drive a higher income, higher confidence, and business to your life. As you guys know that we are here at Get Unstuck Nation to help your business that support your lifestyle. So I'm very interesting and excited to learn from Daryl today. So please welcome Daryl and get, thank you so much for joining Get Unstuck Radio today. Yay! <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I'm really honored to have you here. So before we start to know about your expertise though, can you share with us like how you even started your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So um the earliest days, I mean I had a newspaper route um when I was a kid trying to make extra money. I grew up in Canada and we would go shovel driveways every time there was a big snowfall. We would go door to door knocking, being a friend and shovel driveways, try to make money that way and later on i remember one of my first jobs i was working at a at a uh, like a, a call center i guess you call it it was telemarketing it was to sell tickets to the circus as a fundraiser for police fund and i remember i showed up to work one day to only to find out that we had closed down that uh we didn't meet our quota and all that and at that point, I remember I was really frustrated and I decided I never wanted to be at the bottom of the food chain. I never wanted to be the last one to find out. Like I, I, I felt other people knew about this before I did. And I kind of committed to figure out how to be as close to where the money came from as possible. So I wouldn't just kind of be on the bottom, you know, the idiot end of the stick, as they say sometimes. Um, later on, I, my first attempt at marketing, not even running a business, but marketing, I was living in Ontario and I'd done this program where I got to travel around Canada and I'd been on the West Coast and I wanted to go back there. And so I found, and this is the early days of the internet, I'd found an online classified, people posting like rooms for rent and that, and I found a lady and, and emailed her and called her and rented her, you know, booked her room. And I, I, I shipped all my stuff out there by bus and I was going to go there and I wanted to try to have a job waiting for me when I got there. So what I did is I went to the local chamber of commerce website. I'm 17 years old. I didn't even really know what I was doing. I just went to the chamber of commerce website. I scraped the emails of all the businesses listed on the chamber of commerce 
And I basically spammed them. Again, this is like, I'm 39 at the time of this recording. I'm 17 at the time. This is more than 20 years ago. And I sent them a three email sequence. Basically, the first one was like a cover letter and resume. The second one, I remember I attached a PowerPoint presentation I'd made. And the third one was like, final notice. Like, I'm hitting the road to hitchhike out there tomorrow. You better book your thing. And it worked. I had a couple of appointments. Um, and I ended up getting one of the jobs. One of the guys said, hey, when you get out here, come come hit us up. And I ended up working there as a night manager at uh, the hostel, a youth hostel. So that was kind of the earliest days and experiences. And I'd say the next time I actually really jumped into entrepreneurship was later when I was probably in my 20s. And I had um, gone to Japan. I was living in Tokyo as an English teacher. And I didn't want to work for these companies. And so I started trying to figure out how to get my own client. And I'd say those are kind of the, the early fumblings into figuring out and getting going, running my own business. Yeah. And how how these, um, I mean, from your experience, I, I bet, like how you started these projects of like having these eight habits for better business. Like, I believe that it has gone through those R&D and digestive like reports for a while, like until you have these one nailed down. So you, now you want to get into the eight critical success factors in business. So this, we're fast forwarding through a whole lot of stuff. I help a couple of different companies out of the States do millions of dollars in sales. Um, this is something that I started in 2020, right after the pandemic had hit. And the reason was, is I grew up in a house of hard science. I was an orphan and I was adopted. And my step adopted dad was a, he was a physicist. He worked in applied physics and geology. And so I grew up with like, you know, physics and geology and astronomy, like hard science, sciences. And so everybody was arguing about the science. And I decided, well, what does the science say about business success? And I was fortunate enough at the time that, um, you know, I, I had a really comfortable kind of lifestyle business set up. And we spent now about two years going through all these studies and doing all sorts of research. So I'll, I'll share my screen. And if for people that are only, for people that are only able to see this, don't worry. Um, I'm going to explain this, but we ended up spending around $50,000 to research, um, to research what, what it, what led to success in business. So like I said, I, I'd had clients that had done, I'd helped do millions. Right. My, my biggest claim to fame is helping a company do just over $3 million in eight months. 1.6 million U.S. of that was with a single marketing strategy, an automated funnel that we started with a $500 Facebook ad budget. And um, so, all right. So we've dived into what is what does science say about business success? How long have they been studying it? And we started paying for access to different journals. I hired seven different researchers slash research teams. I had a couple of people together on a team. And we started going through all the studies. And now for people that don't know, there's like a study that people will do and then they publish their findings. And then there's things called meta-analyses. Now meta-analysis is when someone looks at hundreds or thousands of studies and tries to summarize them. So what we wanted to do was basically summarize all the summaries. So we went through thousands of meta-analysis, all these, all these different, it's also called a systematic review. You say it's a systematic review of the literature. 
And so for those that can see my screen, this is the pretty, one of the pretty docs that we put together whenever I share this with people. But we went through this, for example, this is Saudi Arabia, critical success factors in small and medium-sized enterprises. And if I click it, you'll see it loads that a study, and you can scroll to the bottom, and you can see once we get there, there'll be all these links for all the different references of other research that they use to validate their findings. And so this one study said that they found out that individual factors, management factors, the amount of business support and the amount of capital the business had available were positive in terms of business success. And two things were ineffective, the business characteristics and the business environment. They didn't impact the odds of business success. And that was in Saudi Arabia. But we looked at, like I said, hundreds and thousands of these. This one is a meta-analysis, success factors and new ventures. This is from the Harvard Business Review, what sets a successful CEO apart. And in this study themselves, they looked at 2,500 of the largest companies to figure out what were the common factors of successful CEOs. So we went through hundreds and thousands of these, and we tried to, first we mapped out all the things that these studies said they proved, and then we tried to figure out what were the universal commonalities, regardless of culture, regardless of country, regardless of economic conditions, what were the umbrella categories? And we found that there were eight critical success factors. So again, if you can see my screen, you can see kind of how we mapped them out. And for, again, for those that can't, that are getting audio only, that's fine. We found that there was self-efficacy, uh, strategic planning, marketing strategy, sales strategy and skills, market intelligence, money management, business operating systems, and business intelligence. So we did find there was a ninth factor, government and economic factors. But what we learned was it doesn't matter if you're in a country with a hostile government. It doesn't matter if the economy is bad. The only thing you can really focus on are these eight success factors. It's kind of like these are the things that are within your control. And so it doesn't matter what's happening. It's not realistic that you and I as business owners are going to change the economy or we're going to change the government, Right. It's easier to succeed if the government is supportive. It's easier to succeed in good economic conditions. But all we can really do is focus on these things. Now, we drilled down even deeper. Sorry, did you have a question? Yeah. It has to be in this order when you have to. No. Yeah. Great question. So these are all factors, and it depends. And my best reply to this is kind of like a table. So the more legs that you have to stand on, better but it's also there's a book called the um the goal and it's all about the theory of constraints which is really well known in manufacturing and the idea of the theory of constraints is that if you have a five-step process and um step three can only handle 10 let's say you've got an agency okay and let's say that your your marketing is generating a ton of leads and your sales reps are closing a ton of deals but your team can only handle five clients. Adding more leads and sales is not going to fix your bottleneck. And that's the biggest, that's a really common factor for a lot of businesses that fail is when things aren't going the way they want, they do the things they know how to do harder instead of fixing the bottleneck. So it's not necessarily like you can't do without these. It's where's your bottleneck? Right. Or where are you lacking? And it's almost like in, in a lot of sports or any activity, 
you constantly want to refine and improve everything and get more granular. And so to kind of add to that, the research we did, we actually dove deeper into detail. So one of them is self-efficacy. And what is self-efficacy? It's your ability to be effective, right? If you wake up with a to-do list and you never get anything on that to-do list done, your competitors are going to destroy you. That's why productivity tools and time management are such an important thing. Are, are, are sorry, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're often talked about and you know, there's tools for that and apps. But we actually dove into more studies. Once we had these eight, we actually started analyzing all the eight factors individually. And so these are all these meta analyses on self-efficacy in business. This one is let's put the person back in entrepreneurship research, a meta analysis on the relationship between business owners, personality traits, business creation and success. We did the same thing. And what we discovered is that self-efficacy in business is three things. It's it's certain personality traits or characteristics, leadership skills, and personal disciplines. And this is really important because a lot of people will say, oh, you need to work on being a leader. You need to do leadership training. Well, what is that? It's so vague. It's not actionable. There's no way to measure if you've improved in it or not. But now with our research, we know that leadership skills are self-awareness skills, communication and cooperation skills, emotional intelligence skills, and adaptability. And so right off the bat, you can look at that and know where you're probably really strong. And right off the bat, you know where you're probably kind of weak, right? And personality traits, locus of control, that's being a control freak about the things that you have control over. Extroversion, right? You can be an introvert, but you have to do extrovert type things. Like here, we're meeting each other, right? Yeah, if we weren't meeting each other, we wouldn't be able to network. Openness to experience, agreeableness. You have to work with other people. You have to work with clients. They may not be happy. Conscientiousness. If you, you know, especially in today's transparent world, if you're not, conscientiousness is, is kind of like being thoughtful of other people. And I, my belief is that businesses solve problems, right? That, oh, I'm hungry, restaurant. I'm bored. You know, all these, my teeth hurt. Like a business solves problems. And then acceptance of criticism and feedback. So that's what self-efficacy is. And then the other part are personal disciplines. And lots of people want to talk about time management and discipline, which are in here. But not a lot of people want to talk about things like energy management. And this is important because let's say you can only run one mile or one kilometer until you're completely exhausted. That's how much energy you bring to every single day. That's how much energy you bring to your meetings. And so that's your gas tank. And if I could just snap my fingers and now you can run 10 miles before you're tired, you have that much more energy to bring to all of your tasks, to hold your focus. And so it is, you know, all these things work together. So is that helpful? Is that useful? Yeah, I'm thinking along with, that's why I'm nodding my head. Um... Okay. So all the factors are, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I have an idea. Um, I mean, this is so true and it's all five, but in reality though, when they have to adapt, how do you call this system, by the way? How do you call this methodology? Oh, well, I call, I call, we call it the eight critical success factors. Oh, okay. So when you have a client they, and you started working with them, what would be the first point that you will like, um, analyze their business. That's what, that's what I'm so curious. Cause it's so hard for a business person, especially those who like to 
be in control of everything, like still yeah. running in a hamster wheel and having issue with letting go. You try to help them to automate, right? But it's so hard for them to let go of the part that they see themselves that they are very good at and let other people do it for them. So what would be the first step that you would take a look at the certain business like this to help them right. better? Yeah, that's a great question. So often when you start working with a client, a lot of people listening to this know sometimes what the client hires you to do isn't what they actually need to have done to get results. Right. And that's often because the business owner, like I said, when, when they have a problem, we don't know what we don't know. So people in crisis often just do what they know to do better, harder, and that might not solve the problem. So, you know, you typically come in and you, you, you want to collect all the concerns and find out who all the stakeholders are and what the roles and responsibility of everybody involved is. It's almost like a project management thing, right? What, who are the people that are involved? What is the problem? What have they tried to solve, right? You want to get a, a roadmap of the situation. You really want to do, in medicine, they say prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. Prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. So to prescribe something you haven't checked to see if they actually need can get your license taken away, essentially. And so first thing you do is you come in and take a look at it. And actually, when you asked that question, I thought about um, a client I had that brought me in to help with setting up a funnel for them and running some ads and doing some marketing. And we did that and we were growing the business. But as I got to know the, the team more, there were family members involved in the business that were not performing and self-efficacy was a huge pain point for this company. It, it kind of comes back to what I said as the example. If you're generating, if your marketing is generating leads and your sales reps are closing deals, but your staff can only handle five clients, more leads and sales won't fix your problem. And that's, so that's kind of, again, you have to figure out what the bottleneck is. Um, now there is sort of, you asked if they were in order and, you know, I'll, I'll, what are the one I showed you just had them all kind of mapped out because we were just figuring out what they were and mapping it in there. But, I do feel like there kind of is an order of these. I mean, I feel like self-efficacy is important and it's kind of like a high performance thing. Like it doesn't matter like food. It didn't matter what you ate yesterday. You got to eat again today. You got to do everything you can to be in peak mental, physical condition and you got to work on those skills, right? You never finish developing your people skills, that sort of thing. Next is market intelligence. I think is really important. If you look at like Blockbuster and Netflix, Blockbuster was a billion-dollar company. I think they were doing $6 billion a year. They could have hired any consultant, any talent, and yet out of nowhere, a startup called Netflix came out and, and ran them into the ground. They went bankrupt. And they even had the opportunity to buy Netflix and turned it down. So they were completely disconnected from the market. So I feel like self-efficacy and market intelligence are really good foundations. You know, because same thing, if you're just not getting things done, I think everyone's worked for people that treated them poorly and it made you not want to. I I, have, I know someone, I'm not going to say names, but they're like a guru. They do speaking tours and um, they were on my podcast once and asked for help with something. And I went and looked behind and they, I found out that the reason they needed help is someone had left and had sabotaged things on the way out. and then. 
offered to help them for 30 days and basically rent them my team. And as we got in, we found that multiple people over the years had left and sabotaged things on the way out. And we only did that for 30 days because after 30 days, I didn't appreciate how this person treated people. And I was like, you know, I, and it, it was, it was a favor. Did my 30 day thing. I'm going to move on. All the best to you. I think your knowledge helps people. But again, it comes back to you wow. asked, you asked, you asked, like, is there a starting point? It's like, are you a good leader? Right. Do you have, do you demonstrate those personality traits? You don't have to be, you can be introvert and still succeed in business, but you have to like, you know, maybe you need to go to trade shows. You got to, got to find a way to be an introvert, but still do those things. Yeah. What's up? I have a question. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, no, you're good. So, wow. That's very spot on. This question. Um, yeah, I have been thinking about this. So. I bet you have seen this since you mentioned similar scenario that I am experiencing currently as well. But this is something I want to know. How can a person accept that what they want, maybe not what their business wants? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's, that's, yep. that, that's a communication. That's a communication thing. And it depends on the reasoning. The best you can try to do. So now we're talking about, about kind of science because how do we prevent our, how do we stop Science should be the method for which we stop fooling ourselves. That's why it's kind of on a pedestal. Because with science, there's a, a scientific method that we follow. Now, the problem is, is that not all science is good science. So there's a really good book called The Beginning of Infinity, which is written by a quantum physicist. It's not a easy read, but it's definitely a really good read to help you understand what types of, like, about knowledge, what is knowledge. What, how we've approached it before. Like we used to think earth was the center of the universe. And that's because we just deduce things from our senses. It looks like things spin around us. So therefore we must be at the center of the universe. And really what you need is a good explanation with very specific details that are hard to change or alter or vary without ruining the whole explanation. So first off, you have something. You have to look at what they think it is, and then it's a communication issue, right? And sometimes it takes, there's a quote, if you want to walk, walk fast, walk alone. If you want to walk far, walk together. And business is a team sport. Sometimes you do have to take two steps backwards to address everyone's concerns and get everybody on the same page so then you can keep walking together. And just to speak to that a little bit, so you have to maybe find a way to explain and make your case, right? And so we used to think we were the center of the universe, and the way that we discovered we weren't was Galileo, with his telescope, was able to actually document the phases of Venus, just like there's phases of a moon, full moon, crescent moon, right? So he was able to document that. And based off of there is no real way to explain that in those daily, in those number of day cycles without the sun being the center. And it was through that those specific details that we were able to get away from thinking the earth was the center of the universe. So we're saying, what do you do? You have to show the client that you looked into what you think their concerns are and then show them the alternative theory and give good explanations that they can verify themselves. That's, that's really what the bedrock of science is like good explanations, which are specific explanations with specific details 
that if you change any of the details, it ruins the whole explanation. And it needs to be something that people can test and see for themselves. And then you criticize it. So Popper, Karl Popper was one of the early um, lectures on the scientific method. He had a formula. And I don't know if this necessarily addressed, but maybe it'll be helpful. P1, the, the scientific method could be expressed as a formula. P1, which is problem one, plus TT, tentative theory or tentative solution, temporary solution, plus EE, eliminate error errors, equals P2. So P1 plus TT plus EE equals P2. So you have the first problem. You come up with a temporary theory of how to solve it. You eliminate the errors in your theory, and you eliminate it by observation, experimentation, criticism, debate. That is a huge part. So you can't be afraid of your client pushing back. If you say, this is it, well, there should be some debate. And you need to become comfortable with uncomfortable conversation. And that's now where emotional intelligence is important, right? There's a term managing up. It's not just managing your subordinates. You also have to manage up. And that take requires communication skills, self-awareness that where you might be wrong and your communication style and emotional intelligence. So if there's a cultural gap or personality differences, that you can navigate those. And that's that's, again, part of why our research is so valuable, because you can say, well, I maybe need to work on my emotional intelligence. I have a hard time dealing with clients if they really think X, Y, Z. I got to work on not just persuasion. It's not necessarily persuading. It is part persuasion, but it's also just getting through to them, right? I don't, does that help? Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. a lot. Yeah, I'm just like keep thinking. That's very powerful. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, I, I I was thinking about the part that you mentioned um, when someone trying to so when a business owner doesn't know their capacity of um, client care part and they try to bring more leads, bring more sales coming in, but then the back end couldn't support that much. So the solution that you suggest them it would be to expand or scale the business or to dial sales to sales? Well, yeah, it's a great question. So they say if you're, if, if you have a full calendar, <clears throat> if you are like, say you're a, a, a therapist or a marriage counselor or something and your calendar's full and more people, well, you can, you could double your prices and you would need to lose 51% of your clients before you lost money. So you can start charging more to your existing clients and the new ones. You can create a waiting list and create a down payment. Look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk made $325 million US selling a car he had only made one of. He made one car and then he collected $325 million worth of $1,000 down payments. And he didn't, he didn't have a factory. He didn't have a team to deliver it yet. He said he took pre-sales. He created a waiting list, had people make a down payment, and that funded the building of the factory. Mm. Right. So there's a lot of ways to go through it. And a lot of it is setting clear expectations, right, mm. with clients. So it's okay if you're oversubscribed. A lot of times people want, they don't want the guru at the bottom of the mountain. They want the guru at the top. 
mm. right? And sometimes you can find, you can weed out bad clients that way too. If they're whiny and complaining and cranky, be like, well, we're going to push you back a couple of spots on this waiting list, right? So it's good. It's good to be oversubscribed, but there's a lot you can do. You can increase your prices, which then allows you to hire and train more people, pay them better and maybe better attract a better client, create a waiting list, do both, set their expectations. I just did that with my girlfriend. She's got more clients than she can handle. And we just started telling him, look, it's going to be 30 days before we can start you because we don't want to, we don't want to promise anyone a trip to the moon and then take them on a helicopter ride, right? A lot of businesses do that. I'll take you. They make all these promises. You'll be, you'll be walking on the moon and then you go on a hel- and yeah, you went on a helicopter ride, but you didn't go to the moon and it's better to, you know, under promise over deliver. 100%. Right. In such case, when you able to discover um, the tentative solution, let's say, and then start testing within the client's company, I'm just curious, how you help them transition from what they have been doing to trying the new things? Yeah, well, that can be tough. And there's a lot of depends in that. Mm. Um, it, so it depends. Have they come to you as an expert? If so, then you, this is my professional recommendation. Sometimes it can be tough with existing staff. So what you might need to do is like, I know that it's kind of buzzword now, but like fractional, like a fractional CFO or frat, you might need to hire some part-time people and then do this differently part-time. Look, you're, we had this once before. We had, uh, I had a client, I found, in 20 minutes, I found over a hundred thousand dollars in her business. No one had been following up with account receivables. So if somebody signed up on a three pay payment plan versus paying it in full, nobody followed up with people whose payments didn't go through. Mm. And she had over a hundred thousand dollars worth of uncollected things. And we tried to get her customer service rep to, to follow up with that. And it was, it was a new thing. It was a new skill. You know, so there's the edge. They, I think it's from Boy Scouts. Edge, um, explain, dem, E-D-G-E, explain, demonstrate, guide, empower. Explain it, demonstrate it, guide them doing it together, then empower them to do it unsupervised. And um, so it just depends. It can be, again, if there's people in the company who don't want to change, that's self-efficacy. Are they being effective at what they do? Changing habits is hard. Maybe you need to hire someone to come in part time and do that differently. Maybe you take some, you do some tr- company training, some new goal setting with the company. Maybe you have to set up a way to measure the difference in performance. I see what you do. It would be in combination at least three departments. So it would be executive for sure, COO and HR. I mean, in a big picture. How you, how you normally cope with them or your clients add you on as an, another like third party factors who oversee the environments or you really like build in and, you know, I'm trying to think along with this. No, this is a great, this is a great question. <laughs> um, it really is. And it's funny because you use, you use the word. So, um, this eight critical success factor stuff is mostly something that I, work with the owners to implement. Mm. So there's really only two ways to work with me at this present moment. One is 
through my Habit Hero program, which is where we help people develop the habits for the owners, possibly the sales and marketing teams as well. But also I have what I call an add-on agency, Mm. which is why I was laughing when you asked that. And that's because we have systems. We have 21, but we officially say 17 systems that we add on. So, for example, yeah, where we (laughs) add them on. Now, this is where we've come to an existing company, and typically it's a retainer plus commission or equity in the business. And then what we do is we add these on. So, for example, there is a health supplement company that I'm working with. They have a fantastic product that was built in partnership with a hospital um, and the patients for a specific type of ailment. And um, they were already up and running, and they were already doing sales, and they were doing a lot of things really well. So I would never come in and try to assume to do anything they're already doing better than them. Instead, we look for the things that they were not doing that we know help move the needle, and we add those on the company. And we take six to 12-month baseline, and then we measure performance off of that. And uh, that's a partnership deal. So that's equity, the monthly retainer and equity. And that's, you know, I got my, my coaching program, The Habit Hero, which is, it's kind of a software as a service thing. 10,000 people could go in there and all have the same experience. Business coaching and mentorship done via daily habit tracking and weekly challenges. So we start really small with small, simple habits and track you daily. Some people log in three times a week. Some people log in once a week. But there's a leaderboard in that too. And you get points for the habits you get done versus don't. Okay. You have to find a way to measure, right? If you're selling airplanes and someone else is selling hot dogs, right? You just have to sell one airplane a year. You might do way more because of industry difference. So this way they can still compete and who's being more consistent with the habits that move the needle. And then over 52 weeks, we introduce and change the focus that they're focusing on daily, weekly. And, um, and that's that, that's the membership program. We have 300 people in that now. And then out of that, sometimes people want to work with me, uh, more in depth. And we've got different levels, but up front, there's really those two, the add-on agency and the, and the program. Yeah, I'm thinking that's very useful, like these days. So I'm very familiar with OKRs, like that's what I breathe in and breathe out these days. Um, I find another issue when they run in a daily tracking thing is also about employee engagement. Sorry. Oh, sure. So, right. yeah, so... How do you use in combination of your software, the Hero Habits, along with helping them to building the employee engagement better? Because that's also the issue many companies find, the company can, the communication within the company. What would you suggest? Yeah, so, I mean, employee engagement is, is everything. All a company is, a company is just a group of people who solve the pain of another group of people mm. via a product or service. Mm-hmm. Right? A company is just a group of people that are putting band-aids or stitching up a pain point somebody else is having. And they do that with product or service. Mm-hmm. And so the employee engagement is poor. That person isn't being very effective. They're, their self-efficacy is low. Now, what is the problem? Again, this comes down to, it, you know, and forgive me, I'm not trying to dodge bullets, but it, it just depends. Is the person 
Is the employee engagement bad because there are mental health issues? Is it bad because they're having physical health issues? Are they depressed? Are they lonely? Right? Do they not see the big picture? So there's a great, uh, I forget which book it's from, but it's, um, sometimes people don't lack the vision. For example, this interview was, uh, put like we, I'm on your show because someone on my team saw your podcast and the rankings and reached out. Oh. And they're doing that, right? They're doing that consistently, but that's not necessarily the most fun thing to do, right? When we've talked to them, I've said, you know, you're not just, just reaching out to podcasters to try to get me on an interview. We've spent over $50,000, spent two years researching what can really help grow a business, right? Plus, I've been doing this for 17 years. I've helped companies do millions. So you're not just reaching out to podcasters. You're literally trying to save people's lives. A single business typically needs 100, 200, 300 customers to stay afloat. Typical business has a handful of employees that have kids and children. They need to pay their bills. So for every podcast you can get me booked on, if I just reach three people, those three people might represent hundreds of customers or 10, 20, 30, 100 employees who will have more security, better results, maybe better treatment from their employer, all because you took the time to reach out to that podcast host. Yeah. Now what they feel like they're doing is meaningful, mm. has impact. So again, that's why I say it depends. Mm. Why is why why is the engagement off? Is it because they're having issues at home? Is there physical health issues? Are they not sleeping well? Are you running them into the ground, right? Or like I said, is there certain career building opportunities that they wish they had that they don't have, right? Maybe you just have to accept that someone's not going to stay in your company in that position for a long time. You're not supposed to, right? Like. And in a free market, you know, you're, the, the, the ladder goes, I forget what the highest paid CEO was, but it was probably something like a hundred million or more. And it's how, you know, it's not that the, the reason is like, I have a friend, not me, but he's very, very, very successful. He said he looked at his hourly rate and it was $10,000 an hour. Okay. Right. But it's not because it's because he brings more value to the hour. He's figured out leverage in a way that in a fewer hours of his work, he knows how to use things like code and media to have an exponential result. So even though the, there might be a minimum wage, it's supposed to be a ladder. And you start at the bottom and develop skills to get to the top. And some people might need to recognize, like take McDonald's, you know, some people are happy with what they've got and all the power to them. Success is defined by each of us. But if you're making minimum wage at McDonald's, just as an example, this doesn't mean you have to stay there for your whole life. And a company might need to understand that there might be a churn rate and it's not because anyone's bad or wrong. And they actually have two ways to look at it, that it's an inevitable thing that they should fight and try to enslave people in it, or that they just expect it, you know, expect it, respect it, and they have systems in place to keep recruiting people talent pipeline yeah i get you yeah right and and train them and even help help them get to where they're going mm. and now because now you've got someone that's happy to be at work and they're smiling and they're doing their job better 100% i'm with you i mean i always say that 
as a business owner, I mean, I help my employees and my family to have a better life. Like, it's not only me, money, but also for them. Because if my business is not running good, they also affect on that, right? 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I have been thinking. So, I'm going to review this interview for sure because there are many good, yeah, absolutely um interesting details that I have to review. But I bet anyone who's still listening until now already curious where to find you and, like, see your work, this precious work, where can they reach out to you then, Daryl? Sure. So, uh best businesscoach.ca for Canada. Uh, they can check out the website there and find out more about Habit Hero. They can look me up on all the social media channels. I'm all, I'm out there, but um, it's probably a really good starting point. Just go check out our website. We've got some articles on there about our research. Um, right now we have a $1 trial for 30 days for that program. If people are interested in that and um, just Google me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the interwebs. Just to click away. <laughs> Absolutely. So that click away would be written in the description below as well as in the show note, everyone. So I hope you get um, valuable information today. I don't know about you. I got a lot. So definitely check it out. And yeah, thank you again, Dara, for sharing this um, amazing information and in-depth. Um, yeah, to my audience. Have a great day. Thank you for having me. You too. <laughs> hope this episode inspire you to get unstuck wherever you are in your journey so that you can have your business that support your lifestyle. Get a show note at helpyougetunstuck.com today. Start implementing what you have learned. The results of your consistent effort and improvement are worth it because you deserve the freedom to enjoy your life. Speak to you next time and don't forget to get unstuck.